is good everybody welcome to episode 58 of defenders of the bank the podcast for the people you know my voice i am the scarf jr liebert and sitting to my left back here at beautiful world famous philomonster studios in burbank california he has returned this is Philly Christian Philem on his back, everybody. I'm back, baby. What a trip it was, Scarf. Most people would really look forward to a trip to Cartagena. The city is beautiful. I would. The food is amazing, and there's a lot of fun things to do. Woo! I was excited, but I was gutted. Gutted in the fact that I had to miss my first LAFC match at the bank. Wedding was the day of the match, otherwise I would have postponed my trip. Panda and I managed to utilize the ESPN Plus app on my iPhone for a good portion of the game. Thanks, ESPN. It was ugly. I created the rally shoey with the blind optimistic hope that it would actually do something. I think you just wanted to take a shoey, personally. <laughs> the only thing it padded was the inevitable hangover that I had <laughs> from drinking too much scotch. As far as the rest of the trip is concerned, Scarf, our Airbnb was ridiculous. It looked like it. 34th floor of a residential high-rise in Boca Grande, part of Cartagena. It was literally steps from the ocean. $100 a night. It was the most bomb apartment in any city that I have ever stayed in or ever lived in. If you are considering a trip to South America, I I highly recommend Cartagena. It was beautiful. Human as hell, but it was beautiful. Was it beautiful? The Colombian people that I met were amazing. I bought a Colombian national team kit, which I'm going to personalize with either Atuesta or Segura, whoever makes the national team first. I also searched the city high and dry for a Real Cartagena jersey, a second division team. I couldn't find one, at least not a decent one. I came across two vendors in the walled city, but I could have made a jersey that looked better. But I got to say this, buddy. Yeah. You and Nina did a fantastic job recapping the match. Woo! Again, apologies for the panic at the password situation. That's right. Hashtag blame Philly. Hashtag blame Philly is a well-deserved hashtag. But it's certainly good to be back in beautiful Burbank at my beautiful Philomonster Studios with you, my best friend on the planet, Scarfy. Woo! Dude, we have... Such a good episode plan. Now that you are back, we are ready to roll. So much to talk about here on episode 58. We're going to talk real quick about the Kick Childhood Cancer fundraiser and tailgate that we will have on September 21st before the Toronto game. After that, we have a bunch of LAFC news and notes, especially concerning international duty. And I just said duty. We've got this day in LAFC history happening after that. Then there'll be the game recap. We did play Orlando City SC in the home of Mickey Mouse. Beautiful Orlando, Florida. I almost said California. We're going to be going over our Chasing History and Supporter Shield segments. Those are going to be pretty quick. We're going to finish up with a quick scheduling with the scarf. And we're going to talk a lot about what's coming up next There for might LAFC. be a rant with Philly, too. Oh, I can point. imagine there'll be a rant with Philly. You've been keeping it in now for over a week and a half, so I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Let's talk real quick, though, Philly, about our Kick Childhood Cancer fundraiser and tailgate. We are, by the way, still looking for a new beer sponsor. We are in talks with a couple of different people. We are hoping that the good people at Heineken 
who are one of the MLS's sponsors for beer during their season, will grace us with the presence of not one but two X's in the form of Dos Equis. We are Life working on that right now. We're working on it. But we want to kick off this episode with some information about our upcoming tailgate and childhood cancer fundraiser for the Children's Oncology Group Foundation. We want everybody to come to the Defenders of the Bank tailgate before our home match against Toronto on September 21st. There will be two different ways for you to be able to make a difference in this fight to cure not only childhood cancer, but all cancers. The first and foremost, Philly... We will have these special yellow Defenders of the Bank logo pins for a donation of just $10. Now, the best part about that is that $5 of every single pin that you donate to will go directly to the Children's Oncology Group Foundation, the same exact fundraiser that Major League Soccer is fundraising towards. So that will be really cool. The other thing. I know I talked about this a little bit on our last podcast, but I collect soccer cards. I collect LAFC soccer cards, and I have literally come up with over a thousand LAFC cards that I am going to bring with me to our tailgate, and we are going to sell all of those cards to you for donations. It will have nothing to do with Defenders of the Bank. Every single dollar raised from those cards that we sell will go again directly to the Children's Oncology Group Foundation. Tops has made, yes, that very same Tops company that we all grew up collecting baseball cards and basketball cards from. Tops has been making soccer cards for LAFC for the last two years. You may have even seen their sets for sale inside LAFC HQ. Look, Tops has made cards from almost every single player that we love. Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, Latif Blessing, Eduardo Tuesta, Mark Anthony K, Walker Zimmerman, Lee Wynn, Tyler Miller, Bob Bradley, Tristan Blackman, and there'll even be cards there of Laurent Simon, Benny Failhaber, Marco Ureña, Christian Ramirez, Joao Moutinho, Callum Malice, and everyone's favorite, Andre Horta. Not so Quillen Roberts? <laughs> not Quillen Roberts. Somehow they didn't make third string goalie cards oh, in 2018. Boo. But again, I want to stress, the cards of anywhere from 50 cents to five dollars but every single dollar raised from that will go directly to the fundraiser i am not i repeat not reimbursing my costs for the cards we are not taking a percentage to put back into defenders of the bank every single cent that we make will come directly to the children's oncology group foundation and of course When you come by the tent, Philly, we want everybody to take pictures and post to social media with the hashtag kick childhood cancer as every single time you do major league soccer will donate $1 to the fight against childhood cancer. And that is pretty much everything about our fundraiser Philly. We got a lot of LAFC news and notes to talk about. We do, but it's not an LAFC defenders of the bank episode without you kicking it off my man with out this day in LAFC history. We got to start with that, dude. What do you have for that, Scarfy? All right, so this day in LAFC history, of course, this game was played, and I want to appreciate the East Coast for just a second because it was three hours earlier that the game kicked off, so it is not one in the morning that we are recording this. It is about 9 o'clock in the evening here in a little humid Burbank, California. You have no idea what humid is until you go to Cartagena, dude. (laughs) Dude, I was was in Memphis over the summer a couple summers ago. It is just as humid there. It is the worst. I've never left the shower, dried off, and wanted to get right back in the shower before. Elvis might have lived happily in Memphis, but he would have lived miserably in Cartagena with that humidity. Oh, all right. Well, this day in LASD history, 
on this day, September 7th, 2015, that is right, four years ago, LAFC began a Twitter and Instagram campaign to choose our team colors. The team posted 10 colors, and you will definitely recognize some of the faces that they used for those colors. Take a look back on Twitter. They do have an advanced search feature that you can go back and search Twitter all the way back on September 7th, 2015. Look at the faces for red, black, orange, and pink. And I want you guys to tweet us if you guys can recognize any of those faces that they use for those four colors. Obviously, everybody got it right when they chose black and gold, but it wasn't without this campaign that the team started September 7th, 2015. But because, Philly, we don't have another game until the 14th, two other notes make this day in LAFC history for this episode. The first is September 12th, 2018. On the 12th of last year, LAFC fans could be seen at metro stations everywhere across the city of Los Angeles looking to buy a special edition LAFC tap card. It was all over Facebook. People were putting out the different stations that had them. They sold out on the first day, though some stands did restock theirs for another day or two. I still know people out there that are looking to purchase an LAFC tap card, and who knows, we might even be giving one away at the end of this season so that someone can own their very own LAFC tap card. We'll see. And then on September 13th, Philly, September 13th should be renamed LAFC Backup Goalie Birthday Day. (laughs) That's probably too long of a thing to rename it. On September 13th in 1993, a very happy birthday to Booba, Luis Lopez, the current goalie for the Honduran national team. And on September 13th, 1994, the very next year, happy 25th birthday to current Canadian Premier League, yes, that's really a thing, Canadian Premier League goalie Quillen Roberts. So September 13th, two different LAFC backup goalies celebrate their birthday. And if you're not following This Day in LAFC History on Instagram, at This Day in LAFC, please do. You can find out all about those colors and the faces of LAFC that I was talking about on there. Please make sure you follow This Day in LAFC on Instagram and Twitter. And that, Philly has been this day in LAFC history. But Philly, we've got a lot of LAFC news and notes to talk about. We have a few players on international duty, and I said duty again. A few players is definitely an understatement. LAFC currently has seven players on international (laughs) duty. Yeah, Walker Zimmerman for the U.S. men's national team. What a travesty that game was. (laughs) Mark Anthony Kay for Canada. Brian Raito Rodriguez for Uruguay. Diego Palacios, Ecuador. Peter Levasel, Jamaica. Fito Zelaya, El Salvador. Edward Atuesta, the Colombian under-23 national team. Thursday the 5th, Diego Palacios. Let's talk about some of these boys That's right. and how they've performed. Diego Palacios started, 20 years old, ladies and gentlemen, started and played the first 76 minutes as an Ecuadorian national where they defeated Peru 1-0. On the same day, Edward Atuesta went the full 90 in a loss to Brazil's U23s. Billy, that's absolutely right. The very next day on Friday the 6th, Peter Lee Vassell came on for the reggae boys as a sub in the 68th minute. He wasted no time 
putting the sixth of their goals in the back of the net there in the 81st minute. And a huge congratulations. You mentioned Raito, Brian Rodriguez. Congratulations for making your first cap with Uruguay starting. This kid is 19 years old, starting and playing the full 90 in a 2-1 win at Costa Rica. Philly, there was another small international friendly that was played on Friday. Yeah, on Friday, I'm sure many of you might have tuned into a small friendly between the U.S. and Mexico. The bright note in that matchup was the fact that Walker Zimmerman started and played the first 57 minutes, coming out with the U.S. losing 1-0. They went on to lose in a dominating fashion to Eltree, 3-0. I have an awful lot to say about that as far as my (laughs) notes are concerned. But before I go into all of that... That's right. We got a couple more players in action. Today, Saturday the 7th, Mark Anthony Kaye started and played the full 90 in Canada's 6. That's right, 6 Nothing win against Cuba. I am trying to find anything on the internet about El Salvador and St. Lucia. El Salvador won 3 nothing, but I cannot find a lineup, and I cannot tell you. As of right now, it is, what, 9.52 p.m. on Saturday. I cannot tell you whether or not Fito played. But, Philly, you had a lot to talk about. You said you wanted to say a little bit about the USA-Mexico match with your favorite U.S. men's national team coach, Greg Berhalter. I've got a lot to say, and I'm going to get into an analysis that kind of parlays into our match. Okay. Both teams, LAFC and Orlando, came into this game greatly disadvantaged, Scarf. As far as our front is concerned, we touched on a lot of the players. Zimmerman started for the U.S. men's national team. Yep. K, Canada. Atuesta, the U23 for Colombia. Raito, Brian Rodriguez, Uruguay. Peter Lee Vassell, on loan though, Jamaica. Vito Zelaya, El Salvador. Diego Palacios, Ecuador. Scarf, you got to meet him, by the way. I did. Super exciting stuff. Yeah, that was really cool. Being at LAX, it was my first time seeing a player come off the plane. Very, very cool stuff. Our opponents, Orlando City, they weren't without players on international duty. I got to say, I didn't realize that that many Canadian internationals played for Orlando City. (laughs) Will Johnson, Canada. Their leading scorer... Tesho Akindeli. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. No, you got that exactly right, actually. Yeah. Leading scorer for Orlando City, Canada. Kamal Miller, Canada. Carlos Ascoes, Peru. Sebastian Mendez, Ecuador. Let me tell you this. There were a couple injuries, and we'll get into it before the game starts. Yeah. Too many players away on international duty. And let me tell you what pisses me off. In other civilized leagues around the world... England, Germany, Italy, to name a few. There are no matches. In the Wild West, that is MLS, clearly the show must go on for Don Garber and co. The crucial part of the season, and there's no nonsense that we have to deal with other than this international duty. Look, the Europeans are doing Euro qualifiers. Matches that matter. Here we are, playing friendlies that count for tiddlywinks. And that puts our team, in particular, in a disadvantage. The shortened season with the way the playoffs were done changes something. But couldn't they have done something to add breaks for international duty? Do you think the players would have really been troubled 
being gifted some time to recoup? Maybe there wouldn't be so many players with hamstring problems. Carlos Vela, to be named as one of them. Our best player has a hamstring situation. I'm sure that there are other players that are worn out. It is an absolute travesty that the rest of the world takes time off. The Premier League just started. Serie A just started. La Liga just started. The Bundesliga just started. They had enough respect for their players to take time off from the regular season. Don Garber and the MLS didn't take any of that into account because despite the fact that there were players on international duty, the games went on. LAFC played Orlando, and we're going to talk about it, but do you really think the B, maybe the C teams, really needed to play? Do you really think some of the starters could have used a break? Absolutely. Why the heck are we a league in which we continue to go on when the rest of the world takes a break? We've been involved for a longer time at this point. Our season kicked off in March, ends in November. The Premier League and a lot of these other leagues don't start till what? August, September. They've hardly played, yet they have the wherewithal to give their boys a break. The MLS should have done that as well. And the fact that we go into a friendly scarf with the U.S. men's national team versus Mexico. We had one of our own play. And I got to say, hats off to Walker Zimmerman. It is really cool that he got to start. But the match against Mexico, despite the fact that it was a friendly, my man, was disgraceful. (laughs) Kudos to Walker. He got to start. Yeah. Greg Berhalter used some of our best but were put to rest by Mexico. Chicharito further padded his stats as the all-time leading scorer for El Tri. Hats off to him. He's no longer a West Ham, by the way. He made his move to Sevilla in La Liga. Greg Berhalter. We're talking about LAFC. And we talked about him in earlier pods. But Greg Berhalter is an example of the gross nepotism that is going on in U.S. soccer. You always want to give the benefit of the doubt to certain things and certain decisions made by people that are in a position to do so. If you question how everything in life is done, you are going to run your mind ragged and end up depressed, anxious, and stressed. Scarf, I normally go by my own patented saying, if you're not getting paid or laid, who cares? (laughs) Okay. But this should have been something that was closely examined. Say what you want about the U.S. men's national team choosing Jurgen Klinsmann and how he did things. But at the very least, Jurgen Klinsmann was considered a world-class player. He was coached by some of the best, and he had an amazing career. Not so much as a gaffer, but at least as a player. Having the ties to Deutschland that he did, I was excited. We talked about Burhalter. In our really early episodes as Defenders of the Bank when we first got started. What we didn't mention, nor do we know it at the time, was the fact that his brother Jay is one of the highest ranking executives within U.S. soccer. This guy got paid 780000 plus bonuses. He is the second highest paid non-coach employee. His salary was more than double of Jill Ellis. Jill Ellis? The 
coach of the U.S. women's national team, someone who actually contributes to U.S. soccer. (laughs) This is an abomination, if you ask me. The head coach of the U.S. women's team gets paid less than this guy who sits in an ivory tower with a suit? Preposterous. Preposterous. Oddly enough, I googled Jay Burhalter, and I couldn't exactly find that much info about Greg's brother. No Wikipedia page. But of course, I didn't just stop there. I'm going to challenge any of you. Go ahead on Google and try to find a lot of info about Jay Burhalter, and I promise you you're not. If you do, please let me know what website there is, because clearly I didn't do my due diligence. Now, I'm not going to take a further dive into things, but the U.S. men's national team lost to Mexico 3-0. It's been 10 years since we suffered that bad of a loss. 2009 was that year. What happened then, Scarf? Obama was inaugurated as president. Oh, the good old days. General Motors declared bankruptcy. Michael Jackson died. Rest in peace. The Yankees won their 27th World Series title. Gross. Boo. And Mexico beat the U.S. men's national team in the Gold Cup 5-0. to nil. It's been a while since the U.S. men's national team got embarrassed in the way they did. Have we made steps in the right direction? I think not. The point is, you can fake it till you make it. But only so much luck will prevent the world from seeing how much you suck. And that is the case with the U.S. men's national team. One last rant, if I may. You may. Germany. Ugh. Yeah, that's your, those are your boys. Lost 4-2 to two against the Netherlands. Yeah. I'm not very bullish on this next crop of Spielers for die Deutsche Mannschaft. After achieving the highest pinnacle, meaning winning the 2014 World Cup, we have been on a downworld spiral fast. There is only one World Cup that separates us from Brazil. Brazil's won five, Germany's won four. We are tied with Italy with four apiece. Yeah. It will be some time before Germany can add a fifth star to that jersey. And Italy. Also, why the hell are the Germans wearing that bad luck jersey from the last World Cup? Wouldn't they want to move on from all past reminders of that bad exit? I don't know. But let's end it there. Back to LAFC. Club before country. Seriously. Rants with Philly are over. (laughs) Scarf, let's get into the LAFC match. Yeah, you know, I do want to mention one thing first to you, though, Philly. You know, I've heard a lot of arguments as to why... The season is when it is for the MLS. Things like, hey, the weather. Because if I remember correctly, Colorado played their first game this season in like sub-zero temperatures. Like it was really cold, like ridiculous amounts of cold. I've also heard that, oh, with the collective bargaining agreement and this and that. Well, you know what? The collective bargaining agreement is up at the end of this season. We need to see some changes. And one of the things that we need to see some changes about, we are going to talk about after halftime. But the other is this. There is a reason why more world-class players aren't coming over and playing in Major League Soccer. And it's because we got to get these guys travel expenses and travel itineraries and everything. we got to get this worked out. It is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I'm a big fan of being able to sit right next to Carlos Vela and Tyler Miller and everybody else in LAFC because we both have the same coach seats on our Southwest or Delta or Alaska Airlines flights that we are taking to and from the game. But it's time to get these guys some better travel arrangements. So let's talk about the game. You know, the international break is really anything but 
that for Major League Soccer as LAFC heads across country to the other home for Mickey Mouse, Orlando, Florida, for the first time in team history. And to a really beautiful stadium out there, an Exploria Stadium, 25,500 capacity field, about 20 miles outside of Epcot. You know, Philly, Orlando City is another one of those fairly new MLS sides beginning play in 2015, just five seasons ago. But despite their youth as an organization, Orlando is a quality club with a solid and competitive USL League One team, Orlando City B, something I know that we are eventually going to hopefully develop through our academy, and something that LAFC would love. And you can hear all about this at Center Midchicks. They've got an NWSL side that plays under the banner of the Orlando organization, the Orlando Pride. The Pride's roster includes U.S. women's national team legend Alex Morgan. Man, is Servando Carrasco a lucky guy. And Brazilian great Marta. We're talking about... Oh, gangster. Absolutely. We're talking about a team that draws the fourth most fans in the NWSL and is one of those teams that everybody marks on their calendar as having to go see when Alex Morgan and Marta come into town. Orlando City had a very promising first season. They won 12 games. They only finished one spot out of the playoffs. And Philly, their big signing for their first year, actually for their first three years, was Brazilian legend Kaká. It must have been pretty cool for those fans in Orlando to be able to see the Brazilian legend score 25 goals over his three seasons with the team. But unfortunately, since their inaugural season, they have been in free fall. They've had their point totals decrease. They've had their place in the table decrease, culminating in an awful campaign 2018 last year where they gave up an MLS record 70 four goals and won just two games in their final 18. Look, they look to build on last year's disaster by remaking key parts of the roster. They brought in a talent, the likes of which Orlando Whoa. city hadn't had on their roster since Kaka left or the league for that. Oh, matter. absolutely. Manchester United winger Nani. Now Philly, you are a huge man United fan what is it like being able to see a player like Nani in the MLS? To quote the movie Euro Trip, if you're not a mank, you're a wank. And to see somebody of this caliber, a guy who's played 120-plus games for the Mighty Reds, a guy who has played 100-plus caps for the Portuguese national team, it really is an honor and a treat to see a man of this caliber. 32 years old, Scarf. Yep. Yet this guy looks like he's still built out of a rock. He comes in with some pretty fantastic statistics. But you know what? He manages to have some pretty decent stats in the MLS as well. Yeah, This game comes through. He's played 17 matches with Orlando. He has eight goals. He has four assists. He was a quality and a fantastic player. And Orlando is very fortunate, and the MLS for that matter, is very fortunate to have a man of this caliber in the league. But did he have an impact in this game? He absolutely did, unfortunately. He definitely did. You know, one other thing, by the way, Phil, that I want to mention, when Orlando City was looking to retool their roster, they started on the back line, and one of the players that they gave up Well, they made a trade for the number one pick in last year's MLS Super Draft. Of course, that was LAFC's Joao Moutinho, a move that I was critical of at first when we gave up on Joao and brought in Mohamed El Munir. Like I've said, 
This is why John Thornton is running the team and I am not because clearly Mohamed El Munir not only has made an impact on our team this year, but has played with confidence and poise in a few different situations. One we'll talk about when we go over this game. You know, I think that deal, though, has been a positive for both sides, even though both players obviously have been injured. Now, coming into this game, Orlando City sat ninth in the East, four points out of their playoff spot, just one win in their previous five contests, but they do come in six, seven, and one at home. So they're definitely treading water when they are at home. And good news for Orlando after this, they get to play Houston, Chicago, and Cincinnati on their Crap schedule. Teams. Absolutely. So their hope for a playoff run doesn't necessarily have to go through LAFC. They've never made the playoffs in their franchise's five-year history. You mentioned Nani. He's a world-class talent. We got to see him at the skills competition against the MLS side and against Atletico Madrid. Last season, though, Philly, the last time we played, we did not greet the visitors very nicely. We're talking about a 4-1 beatdown over Orlando City. A couple of goals from Adama Diomande. We also had goals from Latif Blessing and Diego Rossi. But, Philly, what do I remember more than anything else that I just mentioned? More than Carlos Vela making his debut back from World Cup duty coming in in the 64th minute? Philly, who was the honorary Falconer for that game against Orlando City at Bank of California Stadium? You are the only person in this world that I know yes. that their favorite football player, yes. meaning NFL, yes. is an individual yes. who kicks the ball. That's right. Johnny Hecker. The punter. Was the honorary Falcon. That's right. Johnny Hecker. By the way, congratulations today. Johnny Hecker signing another extension with the Rams. He waited until today so that we could talk about him on the podcast as the honorary Falconer. He decided, you know what? Let me wait until the defenders of the bank have two things to say about me on the podcast. He was our honorary Falconer the last time we played Orlando City in Los Angeles with a 4 nothing win. He is now going to get paid almost $20 million over the next five years to kick a football. You and Where I, my I friend. Where did I go wrong in my life? We are in the wrong profession. So congratulations to Johnny Hecker. But let's talk about this game, Philly. What do you have to say? I mean, hold on a second. Oh, yeah, Let's yeah. go back to the game. This it was, really was a historical also, moment. This was a good day for you too, right? We got a seat upgrade. Lily, our favorite account executive. So Alex is my account exec. You're nice, but I loved Lily. Be nice. Lily gave us a seat upgrade. We moved from the Founders Club over the pitch. And I'll tell you this. It made me realize how much I love Founders. Because being on the pitch, yeah, maybe it's a status symbol. I don't care. I love the game. When you're on the pitch, you have to end up looking at the screen to find out what's going on on the opposite side <laughs> of the field. And if you're a podcaster, it's not really the greatest thing. But anyway, it was really fantastic. We talked about history. We talked about the last game that these two teams played. The Cowardly Lions entered the bank last season, Scarf. They got their manes shaved. Worse than Aslan did in the movie The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But unlike the character in that story, these lions couldn't wake up from that murderous stab provided by the black and the gold. 4-1 was the final scoreline in that game. If my memory serves me correctly, Scarf. Yeah. We had great seats and we got upgraded, but that match had a much later start. Due to the fact that there was a lot of hot weather going on in L.A. at the time. And I can attest to the fact that the humidity in Cartagena beats the hottest day in L.A. And 
any stage of the way you look at it. You said it. Two goals by Dio, a goal by Blessing, a goal by Rossi. Porn stash. Sasha Kleshton, U.S. Men's International, scored the only goal for Orlando <laughs> in that game. LAFC dominated possession of that matchup 64-36 to in pretty much every statistical category That's that right. you can look at. Going into this game, this season, history is history. But we have to look into the past to make sure that we don't repeat the same mistakes going forward into the present and into the future. Orlando City at home, 6-7-1 and one this season. Say what you want about that. LAFC on the road, 8-3-3, and a record that most home teams would envy. Surely the Lions of Orlando City would recognize that. The past three games, Orlando, 0-2-1. We could say that we've been on somewhat of a downward trough scarf. Yep. But going into this game, we had something to prove. Could you say we had our B team? Maybe. Could you say we had our C team in there? Definitely. But we didn't go down in the way that most people would assume we did. Let's get into the match itself, Scarf. Yeah, that's right. Let's talk about the starting lineups. Orlando comes out in their 4-4-2 with Brian Rowe, their keeper, in the back. Brian Rowe currently tied with the team record with seven shutouts this season. Who are ya? On the back line, we've got Jansen, Sané, Smith, and Huan, which I can't pronounce nearly as well as Max Bredas. We're, we're going to call Sané Dikembe Mutombo Whoa, for the right. majority of this game because that dude is massive, and he really thwarted a lot of our attacks. Yeah, he's pretty tall, that guy. He's we, huge! We had Rossell, Powers, Michel. We had Christian Higuita starting Michel out for OCSC. Bell. He is the first player, by the way, Philly, to make 100 caps with the Orlando City franchise. So congratulations. We know <laughs> We've got Dom Dwyer also starting. He was looking to become the 19th player in this game in MLS history. He also won the award for the biggest crybaby of the match. <laughs> he did, but he was trying to get his 80th goal of his MLS career. Only 18 other players have done that in the history of Major League Soccer. And of course, rounding out the lineup is Nani, who we talked about earlier, and your favorite player, Sasha Kleschen, on the bench. And you Porn like, stash. I was going to say, you like to call him a, a fun nickname there. I like that. There's nobody on the bench that matters more than him. Now, Philly... According to ESPN, we came out in a little bit of a different shape. Oh, they boy. said four two three one, but I know some other websites said four three three. But this was quite a different roster for LAFC. Indeed, it was. ESPN reported that we went out four three three, and if you are a fan of the black and gold, you know that Bob doesn't stray too far from that lineup. We are a 4-3-3 squad to begin games. Do we shift? Absolutely. And do we have a different lineup? Absolutely. In goal, we had Tyler Miller. We had Beta, Blackman, Segura, and Harvey. By the way, Segura, why didn't he get a call-up to any version of the Colombian national team? Seriously, he earns the award for being the most overlooked player, period. The MLS All-Star Game, overlooked. Being called up to any Colombian national squad, overlooked. Eddie Segura is an MVP as far as I'm concerned with the black and gold. We gave up so many goals last season, 80 minutes into the game. Eddie Segura has prevented that. And yes, Walker Zimmerman has improved. Tristan has improved. Beta. Harvey. They all have improved. But you know what? We wouldn't be where we are without Eddie Segura. Give him the respect that he's due. 
As far as our midfield is concerned, this was really interesting. Yeah. We had Blessing, Rossi, and Wynn. Wait a minute. Did you say Diego Rossi playing midfield? Yeah, the man who scored the first goal against, against the, the Sounders. Sounders. And then Philly, 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 Philly. We get to play a new version of my favorite game, Name Those Perezes. That's oh, right. Oh, indeed. Josh Perez. Yes. Dio. Not a Perez. Adrian Perez. Another Perez. I love it. And on our bench, we had Djokovic, Danilo Silva, Mohamed Elmanir, who was on Orlando last season, Alejandro Guido. It's which a ghost sighting. We learned that his last name, he does have a Perez he in there. He does have a Perez in there. There's a sighting of the ghost, Alejandro Guido. And we had Pablo Cisniega Yay. in there. You mentioned you know, who we had as far as Orlando was concerned. But you know what? The game that we love to play is Name That Perez. Yes. There is a website called The Mainland, which is the Angels on Parade equivalent for Orlando City. Okay. They failed in their version of the Name That Perez game. Boo them. They failed to do their homework, Scarf. That's right. They reported that Fito Zelaya would be on our bench. Couldn't happen. But the big faux pas came in the form of the fact that Josh Perez was a starter in today's game. But it just so happens that Josh Perez was on our bench. How? Alicia Rodriguez, if you're hearing this, it's reasons like this that make you the best MLS editor and writer on SB Nation, if not just the best, period. The mainland didn't do their homework. We play that name, that Perez game quite a bit. That's right. How in the heck can Josh be on the bench and start at the same time, it is because the mainland doesn't do their homework the same way that Alicia Rodriguez and Angels on Parade do theirs. Angels on Parade, you rule. The mainland, you drool. Scarf. Yes, sir. What's up next? I could not wait for this game to kick off because just as you professed your love to Josh Perez the last time that we were on the podcast together. You had mentioned Josh is going to score. Josh is going to score. And I would always say, yeah, but what about Adrian Philly? It made my world to see Adrian Perez, the Loyola Marymount Lion, the former Ontario Fury indoor soccer player to getting his first major league start. And in the 11th minute, Philly, he got... His first major league soccer goal. A beautiful run by Lee Wynn into the box. Makes the pass to Adrian. The ball went off of at least one defender for Orlando City. Brian Rowe got his left paw on it just enough to make sure that it stayed on track and on target. And into the back of the goal. And I was celebrating. I was over at Nina's house. They were having a party. I was celebrating. I was jumping around. And I sat back in my seat. Philly, what the heck happened? Well, the thing that you failed to mention, my friend, was the fact that you were watching this game at a bridal shower. I was. I'm sorry. I had to bring that up because I find it comical. I was watching I was in Barney's game. Beanery with Panda and the Cuervos and Rich and, and, and plenty of other people. And you know what? We were having a good time. Yeah, you're just all dropping could... names right now. Poop. You were hanging out at a bridal shower. I had no choice. Why were you at a bridal shower in the first place? I had no choice. It's comical if you ask me. But you know what? I'm only busting your chops because it's been a week since we recorded together, and I missed and I loved you. 
and I really wanted you there with me. I but no I found choice. it funny that you were watching this game at a bridal shower dressed up in black and gold clothing. I had no choice. But you know what? Despite the fact that we came on and scored early, Adrian Perez in his first start scoring his first goal, that victory, that joy, that bliss was short-lived. Because not that long after that, an errant pass made by LAFC led to a goal by Nani, the one guy who you didn't want to have score. Bad defense on that possession. And Nani, the Portuguese international, the former Manchester United legend, scores his ninth goal of the season. You've heard of the movie Punch Drunk Love. We were goal drunk. And as a result of that, Nani registers his ninth goal of the game. And just like that, the cowardly Lions tie us. But it wasn't the end, was it, Scar? No, but it was really frustrating. Philly, how many times have we talked about this season on our podcast? You know, it seems like every season that we've played now has its own separate theme. Obviously, last year, the theme being after the 80th minute, as they said in Samuel L. Jackson in Jurassic Park, hold on to your butts because you had no idea what was going to happen after the 80th. This season, it's, all right, we scored. Let's see how quickly we give one back up. Really, really frustrating how quickly we gave it up. It was literally on the kickoff, one pass from the kickoff, and it was deflected by Latif Blessing, and it found a wide-open Nani. Now, I know Tristan Blackman was trying to play up to keep Nani offside, but unfortunately, with that ball deflecting off of Latif Blessing, it didn't matter, and he made a beautiful chip over Tyler Miller. Really frustrating. You know, in the 18th minute, we had a shot by Dio that was saved after consecutive corners, and that brings us to the 20th minute, where, again, I cannot pronounce this guy's name nearly as well as Max Bredos did, but Juan... With the great run, he started it. Then after a couple more passes, got it back, gave it to Michelle. Beautiful passing. I wrote in my notes, Philly, that looked like a goal that LAFC would have scored earlier in the season. The little bing-bong-bing two-man passing game that they had there. And just like that, we're 20 minutes in, Philly, and we're already down 2-1. And you know what? Hats off to Orlando City because that goal was beautiful. Our back line was nowhere to be found. Michelle scored a fantastic goal. There were several passes that began all the way in the midfield that led into that goal. And you know what? You got to tip your head and your hat off to where credit and credit is due. And Orlando deserved that goal. We got exposed. Our back line was annihilated. And just like that, we find ourselves minutes after going ahead 1-0. Shortly after that, giving up a goal, tying the game. And minutes after that, Orlando City, a team that is not that good at home, going up against us, and it really, really hurts. There wasn't really much to be said about the rest of the first half. Eddie Segura got a bloody nose where he had some incidental contact with number 14, Dom Dwyer. Adrian Perez in the 30th minute had a shot on goal, and I'll tell you this. For a guy who played indoor soccer for the Ontario Fury, Adrian Perez in his first start, on a bright note, he looked really, really good. I know that you're happy about that scarf. You're a Loyola Marymount Lion. That's right. Adrian Perez is as well. I was so happy to see him get the start. You talk all the time, and I have to hear about all these Hoosiers that are all around, whether it be 
Lee Wynn or Chris Klein or any of these other players out there. We got that, toyed with by a Hoosier. Yeah, we did get toyed. Oh, that's right. We got Mason Toy as a Hoosier, too. So it was kind of fun for me to finally get one here for LMU. In the 43rd minute, Adrian almost got his second of the game with a beautiful rocket outside the box, just wide and high. And another takeaway by Latif in the 44th. You know, we really see Latif Blessing playing with such confidence Right before the half, you know, this might have affected Orlando's play a little bit. Two very quick yellows on Orlando City. In the 45th minute, Diego Rossi earned a yellow on Orlando City. And then just before the halftime whistle in the fourth minute of stoppage play, Nani actually picked up a yellow right before the half for a high foul on Latif. He was telling the refs over and over, this was my first foul. How am I getting a yellow? It was a little high there on Latif Blessing. And just like that, we hit halftime, Philly, down two to one. And it was frustrating. I got to tell you, I came into this game with some pretty high hopes. I thought we'd be up maybe 2 nothing, 3 nothing, 3-1 at the half. It just was not meant to be. But I don't think I was nearly as frustrated, Philly, in the first half as I was for the second. But let's go over our halftime numbers. We dominated in a lot of statistical categories, possession-wise, 70 to their 30. Shots on goal. We had seven with two on target. Where it really mattered is they had three with two on target, hence the two goals. Fouls, they beat us five to three. Corners, we had six to one. And you know what? You figure going into this game, Orlando City, not necessarily having the best record at home, contending against the number one team in the MLS, They're going to end up parking the bus. Orlando is going to be content with the scoreline. They're going to let LAFC control possession while they cement their defense. And that is pretty much what they wanted to do. And going into the second half, the one thing I could tell you, the one thing that a lot of fans can tell you, whether they were watching on Unimas, KVMD, or YouTube TV, the most frustrating thing about this match wasn't necessarily... The gameplay itself, but it was the coverage. What the capital letters F. We live in a developed country scarf. We don't live in the Sahara. We don't live in Eastern Europe. We don't live in the freaking jungles. We're in Burbank. Why the heck do we have intermittent connections watching this game? Look, I live in a part of Burbank where we have constructions. 95% of Burbank has fiber optics. The piece of land that I live in, unfortunately, is not able to connect better than 18 megabits per second. What is the world coming to? It is what it is. Once we have those connections filled, I'll have better situations. But we live in a world, Scarf, where we can find a guy in the middle of the desert in a hole. But we can't watch LAFC play Orlando without having intermittent connectivity issues. Look, I'll tell you, Philly, what I thought was even funnier is it wasn't just us. I'm wondering if everybody else noticed on the broadcast that the reason why Max, and I actually don't remember the name of the person who was in the second chair. I apologize, but whoever you are, you couldn't see it either because I believe, and I would love to be corrected if I am wrong or not, But I believe that Max and the rest of the television team were at the Univision Studios 
in Westchester, California. I do not believe they were at the game. I'm wagering a bet that only Javrina Catalina was actually at that game from the LAFC broadcast team because you know what? They weren't reporting what was going on in the game as well. They kept apologizing for all of these technical difficulty issues. Look, when the feed came through, we found out in the 52nd minute, apparently Adrian Perez was offside on a goal that he was able to control down and head in. I didn't know. I couldn't uh, see it. Apparently, in the 56th minute, apparently there was no goal by Orlando because of a foul committed on Tyler Miller as he went out to go play a ball, even though they knocked the rebound home. In the 58th minute, Adrian Perez comes out, and Philly, this was one of those things where all of a sudden we realized Bob Bradley is tinkering with some stuff right now. Adrian Perez comes out, Danilo Silva comes in. I'm really confused as to what was going on with our formation and our shape, but I was also more confused because the TV still, we're, we're talking about not yet, not yet, the feed is still not good, we're in the 60th minute. Okay, so now let's go to the 69th giggity minute. A great ball into Harvey, a great touch pass, but Lee Wynn couldn't make it happen, and I got that on the four or five seconds of good feed that we had. In the 70th minute, Josh Perez coming out, so now both Perez's are gone, and who do they bring in? Now they bring in Mohamed El Munir. Apparently, Philly, we had Eddie Segura moving up into the midfield. We had Mohamed El Munir moving up to play a hybrid midfield forward. And finally, finally in the 73rd minute, we are almost 30 minutes in to the second half. YouTube TV, Univision, whoever handles your feed, shame on you. What was it like at Barney's when you're around what, 150 people trying to watch the game, and it's on tape delay? Univision, KVMD, whatever station that was responsible for hosting it at Barney's should have changed its name to BSTV. Those acronyms you can decipher for yourself. It was horrendous. I wanted to smash my phone several times against the table. However, I didn't. And the reason why is because our buddy Art, Art underscore Rodriguez from Black Army, he had his cell phone with him and he helped me and Panda out a ton. When the TV was a word that rhymes with zit, he really helped us out in terms of giving us a forum, a streaming forum in which we could watch the game. Eventually, when things became equal... The TV was about 40 seconds faster than Art's phone was. But had it not been for Art's phone, I would have not been able to respond to the first 30 minutes of this matchup. But let me tell you this. We don't live in a third world country. This is a Dinamo Kiev that we live in. We're watching a Los Angeles team go down to Orlando, home of the Mouse House, Disney, whatever it is, massive media. Why we had... 30 minutes worth of delay blows my mind. Shame on you. All the powers that be, shame on you. We can find a guy in a hole in the middle of the desert, but I can't watch LAFC play Orlando City. I have so much profanity that I want to spew out to these TV networks. But the older I get, the more I realize that internet connectivity in this country, again, is a word that rhymes with zit. 
It's horrendous. It's pathetic. And the fact that I'm this angry trying to report on a game that I love and a team that plays in a developed market like the U.S., a team from L.A. going down to Orlando, Walt Disney headquarters, home of the Mouse House, the fact that we have to contend this hard to catch statistics, screw you, TV network. (laughs) And that is Rants with Philly. (laughs) So 75th minute, we had a free kick by Tyler Miller, who apparently was passing it to the person in the eighth row who might have been wearing a Tyler Miller jersey. (laughs) What the heck was that scarf? I don't know. I don't know if the wind picked up there in beautiful Orlando. I don't know what happened. But literally, Donald that ball, Duck whisked that away. Apparently, something happened. That ball was not on the pitch. No, I'm sorry, it was, was goofy in the crowd. <laughs> Gosh, you know, 77th minute, Tyler Miller got a little help there from the goalpost. That it was a nice play, nice into the box there by Orlando City. But just after that, we saw in the 79th minute, Philly just like that. When our play had kind of lulled to a stop, we really weren't doing anything all that great. It was Diego Rossi to Adama Diamande. Back to Diego Rossi with the equalizer, a great one-two action. That's the passing that we have grown accustomed to seeing our second goal of the match. And, of course, that Philly being the equalizer. And I thought, all right, we're going to press forward. We're going to get a third goal. And as I'm watching who's pressing forward, Philly, I was shocked to see in the 81st minute Mohamed El Munir was the one running at Orlando City's goalie, Brian Rowe, to keep the pressure on. That's right. Mohamed was playing in the front, on that front line. LAFC kept pressing forward. Our back line was normal at this point. People that have all played back line before. Tristan Blackman and Danilo Silva, along with Jordan Harvey and Steven Betashore. So many deflections in the box, Philly, in the 86th minute. Thought we were going to be able to put one away, but nothing that we could do on that one. 89th minute, Diego Rossi with the ball in the box again. It looked like he might have been taken down there in the box, but he also has a reputation of playing on the LAFC diving team. He loves his Speedos. He he absolutely does. We had five minutes of stoppage, but unfortunately, Philly, we couldn't get anything going. And you mentioned Sané on the back line. I mean, that guy, he was excellent for Orlando City. And you can really see, even though they gave up two goals in this match, they gave up 74 goals last year. You can really see them committed to improving their backline play. Game ends 2-2. And with that, Philly, LAFC, even though... All right, so I'm going to start with... They say you want to sandwich things that are difficult to talk about. So I'm going to start off with a good part. LAFC still undefeated against the Eastern Conference this year. That's a good thing. The bad thing, we have now gone three games without a W. Nine points possible, we have only taken two points from our last nine possible in these last three games. But we got to have another side of the sandwich. LAFC still has not lost back-to-back games this season. We have not had two losses in a row. So you know what? Lots good that you can take away from this. Lots bad that you can take away from this. Philly, I know you've got a couple things to say about this. Let me let me just say this real quick before we get into anything else. We were missing Carlos Vela, all-star. Walker Zimmerman, all-star. Mark Anthony Kay, all-star. Three out of our four players to make the all-star team. We were missing a great chunk of our depth. We were missing players who we would love to get a little bit more run. Brian Rodriguez, Diego Palacios, 
maybe even Peter Lee Vassell into that mix. But yet, like you mentioned, when you were going on on your rant, maybe it was our B team, maybe we even subbed in some of our C guys, we are still able to walk out of there with a result. That being said, I am born and raised in Los Angeles on American sports. I was not a big soccer fan, not nearly as big until LAFC came along. So I have to tell you, it is a foreign thing for me to be able to root for and be happy with a tie. There's just something about, look, and maybe it's because in the peak physical condition that I am right now at 36 years old, when I decide I am going to devote my time and my body to go play something competitive, I am not a professional. I am not being paid. In fact, I have to pay things like league dues and uniform fees and then later hospital bills every time I want to step out there to go be competitive, whether it's baseball, softball, swimming, volleyball, whatever it is, the sports that I play right now on the regular, the last thing I want to do after spending hour, two hours, three hours, four hours of my day is to walk away with a tie. So yes, I know it's a good result and we didn't lose and we inch forward closer to the supporter shield and to the Western Conference and to a new points record, all these great things. I can't celebrate a tie, especially when it's a team that is now sitting ninth in the East. But Philly, I've got some breaking news to report as we are recording this. Breaking news here on Defenders of the Bank. I don't ever want to congratulate Portland for doing anything at all, but Portland has just wrapped up a 2-1 victory against Sporting Kansas City. What that does is it pushes them to sixth in the table in the West, And who does that push out of the playoffs right now in eighth? Carson. Carson. Just thought I would report that fun little bit of news we just had. Not mad at that. As much as we all hate the galaxy, I don't know if we have the wherewithal or the mental-like strength to face them in the playoffs. But what I do know is that them not being in the playoffs will lead to the line leaving the Galaxy. And you know what? That'll further put the Galaxy, cement them in the cellar that they belong in, and that's totally fine by me. You said it. You've spent a lot of your life following sports in which ties don't necessarily matter. But unfortunately, we also grew up in a part of the world where we understand sports far differently than the rest of the world. Yep. The most important and the most popular game in the world, I'm sorry to say, it's not baseball, it's not the NFL, it's not the NBA, but it's football, soccer, that football, and ties matter for something. LAFC should have won this game, but you know what? On the road, we managed to secure a point. It's not what you would want to have happen. And fortunately, we were resilient enough to go out there and secure a tie, despite the fact that we scored early, let two goals shortly thereafter, and fought really hard to tie a goal and walk away with this game with a point. Football, at least this version of it, is a very, very, very crazy thing. But you know what? What we showed as a club scarf. was resiliency. This wasn't our best team. We had, what, five starters that were away on international duty. Orlando had that too, but there were a lot of positives. 
Adrian Perez looked good. He did. He's your LMU boy. That's a right. A guy who played indoor soccer. Not even a player worth mentioning in this league. Happened to come across an opportunity in which he capitalized on and made the best of it. His first start yep. as an MLS professional soccer player, football, whatever you want to call it, he scores the goal. That's a major thing. We had a strange formation going into this game, but we came through. I can't say I'm mad at the result. Sane, for Orlando, a beast in the box. Had he not been the size of Dikembe Mutombo, we might have slipped another goal past Brian Rowe. Championship teams show guts, even in the face of adversity. LAFC, depleted, fought hard against a depleted Orlando team. They were without a lot of their key players, but we can't be mad at the result we tied. Let's talk about another sport. The NBA. The 2016 Golden State Warriors had the best record ever. They finished 73-9. and They lost nine games. Blemishes occurred. But in the NBA, there is no such thing as a tie. In the MLS, there is. We secured a point. We are really postponing the inevitable with the final stretch of the season. But there is a lot to say about the fact that this team being completely depleted, showed guts, scoring early, going down, and coming back to tie the game, that is a bright note. We didn't lose. Yes, we lost at home. Yes, we tied the Galaxy at home. These aren't results that anybody would really, really want. But at the end of the day, it still shows the fact that we have guts. We are a good team. Our B team, our C squad, shows resiliency. And that's what you really want. You know, Philly, I'm hoping, though, you brought up those 2016 Golden State Warriors. I'm hoping we don't have the same kind of season that those Golden State Warriors did. Remember, that team went 73-9, and but that team lost in the finals to LeBron. You, I, guys, yeah. you guys all know I'm a big Patriots fan. I know I get a lot of grief from this on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Well, uh, yeah. But the year we went 18-0, and we did not go 19-0. and And the reason why was because David of a Tyree. fluke catch by David Tyree and then a touchdown to Plaxico Burris in the end zone. So there are a lot of great teams out there that are on that list of best teams never to win a championship. That being said, LAFC has a lot of history that we are currently chasing. Obviously, in this game, with Carlos Vela out, he was not adding to any of his records or looking to get closer to the goal-scoring record. But LAFC did put a couple more notches on their belt, getting closer to some records. Obviously, the most points ever scored in an MLS season is 71. LAFC now inches closer to that with 63. They still sit on 19 wins on the season. The record is 22, led by the New York Red Bulls last year. So we'll see if we can win three out of our next five to at least tie the record. Team goals in a season. LAFC has now scored 76 goals on the year. The record 85 set by the 1998 version of the Carson Kickers. The team goal differential also stays at plus 44. That would be a current Major League Soccer record. And finally, the most points scored in a team's first two seasons. Atlanta setting the record last year with 124. LAFC now at 120 and Philly we got to talk for just a second also about the supporters shield we have been coming back to the pack a little bit and by the pack Philly 
I mean, your former team, NYCFC, they won again today, scoring in the 90th plus six to win two to one against New England. So they're still on pace for 71 points. LAFC with this tie now on pace for 78. So it's getting a little tighter in the Supporter Shield race. Indeed it is. And you know what? I think I exercised the demon. When I left New York with Panda in 2015, the one thing I kept in my wallet was my season ticket for NYCFC. Only because of the fact that it was a very meaningful situation for Panda and I. We were in the infancy of our relationship. My birthday came through. She got my name up on the board of Yankee Stadium. NYCFC meant a lot to us at that time. And I kept my season ticket in my wallet. But you know what? What? None of that matters because I love LAFC, as does Panda. I removed that season ticket hours ago. And as a result of that, I feel that the curse of NYCFC has been lifted. So as a result of that... LAFC is going to run rampant. We are going to beat the Philadelphia Union next week, and we are going to run the tables, and we are going to get what we deserve, which is every accolade that this league has to offer. No team matters. No team is better. We are going to win, and I am not jinxing us. I am blessing us. No rally shoeys. No good luck shoeys. Only positive shoeys. Scarf. (laughs) Yeah. We are going to run this league, and we are going to be happy because Atlanta will now be bowing to us after the end of this season. Look, I can't wait. Let's talk about our last five games, Philly. First and foremost, I do want to mention something that Max Bredos said at the end of his telecast. I don't know if this is a good thing after today's telecast, but the last five games are only available on YouTube TV. So I know everybody already knows actually how you feel about that one. But LAFC, just five games remaining in the regular season, two away and three at home. Next Saturday, the 14th, LAFC take on the suddenly chatty Philadelphia Union. They're on Twitter. They now sit in second place after NYCFC's win today. Second place in the East with 51 points. The following weekend, Philly, we begin a bit of a mini gauntlet. Three games in nine days. On Saturday the 21st, we will take on Toronto at the bank. This game is our official hashtag kick childhood cancer game. And we will also, of course, welcome the return of the general, our first captain, Laurent Simon. I will I'm certainly, wearing that jersey. you and me both, I'll have my Simon t-shirt underneath my yellow kick childhood cancer jersey for that game for sure. The reunions continue as we welcome Houston to the bank for a midweek clash on Wednesday the 25th. Christian Ramirez will certainly feature as part of the Dynamo attack and a potent attack it might be as soon as they sub him out. Rounding out our September Ah. schedule, the black and gold will travel to the Wonderwall for the first time, taking on Minnesota United, a side that we should be very familiar with. Of course, we'll be looking to exercise the demons of that 2-0 home loss to a team called the Loons. That's right, we lost 2-0 to the Loons. And our final home game, Philly, is going to be the stuff of legend. It'll be the final game in the career for goalkeeper Tim Howard as we take on the Colorado Rapids Sunday, October 6th. We'll have more on some fun plans, some giveaways, and more for the final game of the season on a future episode. And Philly, 
that pretty much rounds out our episode here for episode number 58. I got to tell you, it's good looking to my left and seeing the Philomonster himself back at Philomonster Studios back from Columbia. It's been a lot of fun having you back, bud. This was a great episode. I can't wait to do it again after our win against Philly. I really don't plan on being away really ever. It would just happen to be a one-off situation and for a person that I really value as far as my relationships are concerned. I'll never miss another home game again. I hate missing LAFC games. I plan my life around them. My wife plans her life around them. My relationships are based around LAFC and not being in this chair when you're recording makes me feel rather awkward. <laughs> you and Scarfette do a fabulous job, and I love that. But you know what? It's you and I, my friend. <laughs> Till death do us part. You're my heterosexual life mate, my friend. <laughs> and I love it. I love you for it. I love Defenders of the Bank. I love what we've done. I love what we've created. It's Philly and the Scarf. Till death do us part. I don't have anything else to say. I'm glad to be back, and I can't wait to continue on with this beautiful story and this beautiful pod that we've created. Stay tuned. Scarf and I are actually going to be guests on Dolly Black and Gold. Later on in the week, we're going to be doing a preview of the Philadelphia United game. It will be on Dolly Black and Gold's podcast, not Defenders of the Bank. We are going to take some time off. But before I end things... One last thing that I want to mention is I want to give a big shout out to our buddy Neil who created the Black and Gold Run Club scarf. They had their first inaugural run over in Griffith Park on August the 31st. They are doing another run in Echo Park September the 14th at 8 a.m. If you want to be a part of that, meet at the corner of Echo Park Ave and Park Avenue. It's going to be a three-miler 5K For those of you who pay attention, you want to get in shape to cheer for the black and gold, you be part of the black and gold run club. Congrats on this amazing creation, Neil. We are looking forward to having you on Defenders of the Bank as a guest. We can't wait to hear your story. Scarf, do you have anything else you want to add? Yeah, just a couple of other quick guests. We want to give you guys a heads up. We've got not one, but hopefully two different players lined up. And we are going to have one more person on the pod in the coming future. Roxana will be coming on to talk about Latif and her and their venture for the clothing company 90+. And that's going to be a lot of fun to get her on and talking about all that. And because of her, again, we might have a very special guest coming up in the very near future. We are excited to do this podcast. Hopefully all of you out there love listening to it as much as we love creating it. Remember, it doesn't matter if you're part of a supporters group, if you're part of an away traveling section, if you've never made it to a game, or if you've been to every single one, we are all defenders of the bank when we are wearing the black and gold. We absolutely love doing this for you. Thank you guys for listening to episode 58. And of course, you know how we like to end every one of our podcasts. Bye-bye.